I'm Thomas. And I'm Ryan. And welcome to Joni Jams. The only podcast going album by album through Joni Mitchell's entire discography. Today we're reviewing Joni's album Blue from 1971. Blue. <laughs> we're That's very excited to review this one. So excited. You guys, can you hear it in our voices? We're not being ironic. We're being serious. <laughs> This is probably Joni's most influential album and probably her biggest, I mean, it definitely is her biggest album in terms of sales, charting. Yes. I mean, I don't know about charting because I think it peaked at 15. On, well, yeah, I but didn't it rechart? Didn't it rechart recently and go it high? It did for the 50th anniversary. Yeah. Hmm. Thank, so. good, thank you, girls. I wasn't a fan when that was going on, but thank you, girls, for supporting. I was. I remember I came home from, like, it was in the middle of the summer. I think it was right, yeah, it was the 50th anniversary, and I came home from work, and I look at my Instagram, and I see that she's number one on iTunes. I'm like, oh my god, Yas Queen. Mother. Getting that capitalist coin. She kind of is a, like, capitalist coin, if you think about it. She's always selling things. Yeah, and she'll be the first to criticize capitalism. Yeah, the ironies. <laughs> How the many ironies. times are we going to talk about the ironies of Joni Mitchell? I think that'll be every episode. <laughs> We're on to you, Roberta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, so this album, okay, what I... Now, here's the thing. I think that there's a lot of lore that rests about Blue, about who it's about, who relationships are in it. Personally... Do I know exactly what happened? No, nor do I really care. All I know is that she was really sad at this time period and, you know, she just let it all out. Um, One of the quotes that I thought was really impactful is she was like, she started becoming like, she realized that she was starting to become famous. You know, like I think Ladies of the Canyon had a good amount of traction to it and like she was like, getting famous. Mm -hmm. And so um, her words were, she was like, they better find out who they're worshiping. Let's see if they can take it. Like, let's get real. Like, kind of like, you know, can, do they actually want to stand me <laughs> when they find yeah. out who I really am? Which is kind of amazing if you think about it. I mean, that was a, that was a really wise thing to say of her. And I mean, I like a lot of the things she was saying around this time because she the lore on the album she was saying she developed like these shamanistic qualities where she could see through other people and like everyone was exposed to her and she also felt like she's like I felt like a cellophane wrapper on a pack of cigarettes like she thought everyone could see through her too and she had no no like boundaries or no she had nothing to conceal anymore she would what else did she say about this it was there's uh, not a dishonest note on the album Like all the notes she sings on the album are fully honest. Like they all like have a like full, like she's like saying that they're completely all true. There's no personal defenses to it. Oh yeah. Like I think that this on this on I think that this album sets in a precedent that is still followed today, which is like the singer songwriter being like someone that is completely honest about who they are and you're writing about you know it's it's you're doing a lot less reflection outside and doing a lot more inward reflection which I think she I don't want to say she started but because like you know people could obviously counter that but I think that she definitely pioneered it into a new direction oh yeah definitely and I just I mean, there's so many great singer songwriter albums of this time but I really feel like Blue is the essential one just because 
in terms of everything, I think it's the standard for singer-songwriter albums. Like, I think yeah. it's what every what every singer-songwriter kind of compares their album to. And there's so many nods to it in pop culture. I mean, you can compare Tapestry and some of Bob Dylan's albums and Pink Moon, but I think this one is really the one that sticks out out of all of them. Not that oh, yeah. the other ones don't, but this is the, I think, the definitive one. Yeah, I like Tapestry, actually. I think that's a pretty good album. Um, oh, yeah, I love Tapestry. Yeah, but... That I mean, let's be honest though. Carol King had one album and then tanked. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I do respect Carol King for is she did she did a lot of hit songs, and I think what was clever about her was she did put clever songwriting into mainstream music. Yeah, but I don't. She did it in like a descriptive, um, mind blowing way like Joni Mitchell does. No, I think but... like. Like Joni calls herself an explorer all the all the time, like a musical explorer. And I think that's what really sets her apart because you listen to a Joni album and it doesn't sound like anything else she's ever going to release. Oh, yeah. Every album has its own distinct quality that I mean, there I, I there really is not a single album where you could be like, oh, well, that's exactly like something else. Whereas like the, I think that there are artists today or it will back then, too. I think that there is a lot of mainstream artists where like every album they put out it's pretty similar um i'm trying to think of someone like i don't know marina the diamonds is kind of like that like all of her albums are like kind of the same thing over and over again not to hate her i love her but you know justin bieber girl do you listen to justin bieber no but i just feel like he's the type that (laughs) like i've heard every justin not every justin bieber song i've heard a lot of his singles and i feel like they all sound the same so the albums must all sound the same didn't he sample the I Had a Dream speech in one of his albums? Oh, oh yes. About Hailey Bieber, he was talking about. He used that to equate his love to her, please. Talking about going to that was not okay. <laughs> that was really wrong on so many levels. Um oh I one thing I also wanted to say is um that this album, you know, while we are giving it a lot of praise, many other people have as well. And this album is ranked number three of the greatest albums of all time by Rolling Stones on their top 500, which, you know, I don't really think Rolling Stones list are that valid. You know, I mean, it's really opinion, but does it mean that it's still not a, you know, great nod to have? I mean, number three is like, that's, I mean, pretty iconic. Yeah. I mean, I can see why they put blue there. I think my biggest criticism of Rolling Stone, though, is that they always have such safe choices. And I feel like blue is such a, a safe Joni Mitchell album to put there. Yeah. I think. Imagine seeing like Hajira there or like Kissing. Mm. I think those albums are just as good as blue or like yeah. I think they're just as much a career peak. So I don't understand. They would just want clicks and stuff. So that's why they put the more popular stuff at the front of the list and the less yeah. popular bottom. Well, well, they have like, they have like the most. I think that they pick like the most popular albums by iconic artists and make those like the top ones. Like they have like, I think that they have like the Pet Shop Boys was like number two. Like, um, like, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like they just pick the most obvious things or they have like that really famous Bob Dylan album. Um, oh, Blood on the Tracks, I think. I don't or know. Is it the one with, or is it the one with like a Rolling Stone? Honestly. It's, I think it's that one. Yeah, Highway 61, I think that is. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Which like, I don't know. I mean, I don't listen to Bob Dylan's music, but I'm sure he's had better albums than what they probably picked in the as their top. I don't know. Oh yeah, definitely. I also want to say this is Taylor Swift's favorite Joni Mitchell album. Is she it? Actually, it's her favorite album. 
okay. when she was doing press for Red. Oh, oh, do you think, whoa, was like, was Red supposed to be like a playoff of like Blue? Yeah, she even mentions Joni Mitchell. I mean, it's speculation, but everyone thinks the lucky one by Taylor Swift is about Joni Mitchell. Hmm, interesting. Okay, Taylor, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that, Taylor. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I hate to always hearken everything to Lana Del Rey, but um, <laughs> but I think that there's so many hints of blue in Norman Rockwell. I mean, right? Oh, like, I feel yeah. like it's all over that album. Like, the color blue is like a thematic, except Lana uses blue as she means blue is like happy, whereas Joni means blue is sad. Like she they does. Yeah, which is cool. I like that Lana kind of flips it a little bit and she's yeah. not yeah, she's not copying her at all. Yeah. Honestly, Lana's the whole reason that I'm a huge Joni Mitchell fan, but I think, yeah, you obviously have said it too. But I remember around the time she was doing Norman, she said Tapestry and Blue are two of the albums she never really got into until she was an adult because she couldn't understand them when she was younger. And yeah. I was you know what, let me give Joni Mitchell a try again because I tried her out before and I was just like, no. I don't it's not for me and then I listened to blue again and I was captivated by it yeah mine was mine mine was different than that but like you know still I think blue was the second album I got into I think I got into ladies of the canyon first and then I was like okay blue seems to be the one everyone talks about let me listen to blue and I liked blue a lot um and then I think after that I went straight into Hygiera and then I was like holy shit what is this? <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is amazing. This is like pure Coke. It was Coke actually that inspired that album, I think. Um, <laughs> similar. It was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, I feel like this album, there's so much that's been said about, you know, how great this album is. And I honestly don't think that any of that stuff is untrue. I think it's all pretty accurate to say that this album is, you know, amazing. I think it's, super revolutionary i think you know i don't know oh i was gonna say earlier about the rolling stones is that one of a rolling stone is that i hate how now they're so praising of Joni when rolling stones in the 70s literally like ripped her to shreds all the time like i'm sure that they probably this album to shreds too yeah I mean, I think I think they were actually pretty um pot like they actually had pretty nice reviews of Joni's oh my god, of Joni's music in like the earlier 70s. But then like when she got to Hitsing of Summer Lawns, that's when they started trashing her. Yeah. Like that's when they really, really started digging into her. And I don't think they gave her a good review after that. And now Hissing of Summer Lawns is on their top five hundred list. So like who knows? Pick a lane. Yeah, they really don't have good takes. Clearly. Yeah. And by the way, why did they put Doggy Dog on like the worst albums of all time? What the hell was that about? I don't get that. There's so many worse albums that they could have put. I, I don't even think that's Joni's worst album, but they could have put Clouds was right there. Clouds yeah. Was right there. <laughs> Clouds was sitting <laughs> Clouds was... <laughs> right there. We like, give it, we give it too much. At least Doggy Dog has some songs I can like dance to and like have a good time with i don't know that was yeah rolling stone do better take that except joni was also just on their um she was like number 50 something for their like greatest singers of all time oh was she mm-hmm. oh like, i think i saw that and yeah. i was kind of surprised she was that low a little oh you th- I was shocked 
Do you think she should be higher or lower? Honestly, this might be a hot take, but when people say that they don't understand, like, Joni Mitchell as, like, a vocalist or something, I kind of think she did have really pretty vocals. Like, I I don't know I've if I've heard anyone else with that, like, that nasally voice. I know it helped her a little bit, or, like, maybe she wasn't the best technically, but I think she could have been a little higher. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm torn because I like Joni Mitchell's voice a lot. Like... I, I think her my favorite vocal era of her is like probably right between hissing and Hygiera, where her voice is so rich. Like it's fully it's mature, but it's not damaged by smoking or drugs or whatever. Like it's in that perfect range that like your voice can only be in for so long. Like early Joni, I find she can be a little nasally. Like that's kind of hard for me to enjoy. Sometimes I think it's good. Like, I think on this album, when she goes really nasally, it's intentional. But then there's other times where I'm like, eh, you know, I'm like, not my favorite. But I don't know. I th- I don't know if theirs was always was. I don't think that their list was about like vocal. I don't know. It was like a weird ranking the way that they chose to do it. Yeah, I didn't understand if it was based on like merely them as a musician or their vocal talent. I kind of was a little confused about their list. I think it was about the uniqueness of their voice. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Aretha Franklin was their number one choice, which, yeah. That's deserved. That's deserved. Yeah, that's deserved. But I don't know. Oh, um, I also, I forgot. I was also going to mention that one of my favorite things about this album is um, the reaction that it got by her peers when it first came out. Um, And I always go back to the Chris Christopherson quote that, well, I, he never confirmed that he said this, but Joni said this. Joni said that he said, Joni, keep something to yourself because he heard it and he was like, like, this is, you're revealing too much, you know? Cause I think at that time, musicians had like a wall behind who they actually were and music was a good wall to kind of keep their actual persona hidden. But here she's just like, you know, fuck that. Here's my, here, here's me. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up actually. Wow. I can't believe that was the reaction she got at the time, but I think it just goes to show that we think something like Blue is so I mean, it's it's definitely not average by any means now, but people when people say it's not it didn't push as much boundaries or there's nothing special about it, which I've seen on Twitter a bunch, especially lately. I I've seen a lot of like Joni people discrediting her for no reason. But at the time, people weren't writing this confessionally. Like, people weren't being this honest about their experiences in music. No. Like, so. I mean, like, and she's like, honestly, I think I wrote in one of my, one of the songs that we'll get to, like, she's honestly, like, she gets so vulnerable and raw at some points. It's almost ugly how raw it is. Not ugly like it's, like, hard, like, it's, like, bad. I'm saying ugly like it's just so deep it's like she's pulling yeah. out every every part of her oh i oh it was in the song blue oh That's i was nice. gonna say it's probably from blue because i think i have a similar note there yeah but we'll get to that we'll get to it, we'll get to it. <laughs> this album is actually kind of short it's not a super long album no it's what is it it's like it's between 38 and 43 minutes or something right I think yeah it's like it's, it, yeah it's not very long it only has 10 tracks which most of her albums are coming up. Actually, I think probably, I don't know. I really can't think of any album. Well, you said Four of the Roses. Besides Four of the Roses, like most of her other albums seem to be 
like the 10 song track like she kind of keeps that pattern going um but yeah i mean this is yeah we love we love blue, blue we fan. really do i'm wearing a blue shirt right now for those who can't see i'm also wearing a blue shirt but not a Joni blue shirt yours is like an actual merch album cover yeah should we talk okay. about the album cover oh we should talk about the album yes. cover Okay, well, I just want to start by saying people have said that they think it's an ugly, my friends have said they think it's an ugly cover. I think it's gorgeous. And sometimes when I'm taking snapshots, I try <laughs> to mimic her cheekbones. Girl, that is about the gayest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I mean, she does have some great cheekbones. I, I envy, I envy those. And it's so... But don't you feel like she kind of like mo is like looking like a skeleton? Yeah, but I think she just looks so camp and so hot when she does it. I don't know. Okay, I wouldn't say hot, but yes, uh huh. <laughs> um, I love the moniker. Oh, this is her first um photograph cover. I f we forgot to say that. Oh my god! Oh yeah, it is. Is it her? It's when does when is the next time she does that? Hajira. No, she she very rarely has. It isn't. For oh, the for the roses, obviously. Um, Oops. And I think, isn't there another seventies one? Oh, yeah. There's a there's an there's two seventies oh. ones after that. <laughs> We're not gonna talk about that yet. No, keep that keep that as far away as possible. Yeah, um, like Chris Christopherson said, we're gonna keep that to ourselves. Keep that to ourselves, yeah. Um, I actually think that she decided to do a photograph for this cover because I think it fit with that like. You want to see the real me? Well, here's the real me. It's a up close and personal view of who I am. She's like, there's no escaping. There's no escaping me. Like you're looking at me. Blue is me. Like I don't know. I this album is just so personal. Like I feel like it's like it's like literally in her skin. Songs are like tattoos. I guess that's kind of what she's meaning. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I have so much to say about Blue, the title track, but we'll get beautiful, there. Beautiful, beautiful song. Um. I have also heard some critiques about this cover. Um, oh, do I want to say this? I will say it because it's a point that I've seen made. I have seen the cover made that people think this she's trying to mimic a black man singing jazz music on this cover. Have you heard that I before? I haven't. I haven't. Is there an album cover with a similar? No, but it's based on the way that the photo is modeled. See, now... I don't think it is as much now because I when yeah when I look at the pictures I saw it's this the skin looks clearly contrasted to where there's really bright areas and really dark ones but I think that the original pressing there wasn't as much contrast and so she kind of had like one skin tone that was like darker so I don't know if that's maybe where that argument was coming from it was in an article talking about Don Juan's reckless daughter and stuff like that but. I don't know. I just thought that was a point. I don't think that that's what she was doing, but you know, there's a lot of other perspectives. I'm just putting them out there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't even know that. I've never heard of that before. I mean, yeah. it, it is interesting. I think there's definitely some possibility there. Like, would we be surprised if that was true? I don't think any of us would be that surprised no. with Joni's history. <laughs> <laughs> with history, we will get to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, we're not ready for that either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're getting that. I'm like, I, like as far as possible. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
but I do want to talk about, do you want to start? Do you have anything else to say about the album cover? Uh, no. So we should, I'll get into all I want. I mean, I think, I think this is definitely one of Joni's best opening tracks. I know I've, I say that about all of the ones we've talked about so far, but this is definitive Joni Mitchell opening tracks. This is like, I think a top three for me. And this is her first song on Dulcimer, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think it's so beautiful and it adds so much to the, to the song itself. I think that there's so much emotion that it comes like this, this song it displays so much emotion that encompasses falling in love in general that it's not just one-sided it's not like an average love song it's like everything that's good about love and everything that you want to do in love and everything that love brings like the loneliness and the the heartache too to an extent yeah yeah that's very well said I mean I yeah she talks there's so many different aspects of love she talks about she talks about jealousy greed um feeling blue like want wanting to be the best in both of us like there's all these great qualities she pulls out of a relationship that are just so distinctive and like really cool um I thought that this song was a great kind of it starts to display this like um kind of like becoming I don't know becoming like numb or like less phased by like certain things I don't know I felt like this song reminded me a lot of like she's like constant she like she says like I'm traveling 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 like she's like almost like she's like tired of looking for you know love like she's like I don't know I just it was giving me like silky veils of ardor a little bit but in a way happier sense yeah yeah I honestly think it's cool that you mentioned silky veils of ardor because I don't know it definitely is one of the first times where we actually see Joni kind of and I don't want to say it's her first like actual confessional song but in a way what we've heard before compared to this this actually feels like it's her own autobiography like I know ladies yeah. of the canyon still had like a bit of character studies on it to the point where like or maybe not that many character studies but it wasn't no, like it, did. Solely about, it wasn't solely about Joni though so I feel like now it becomes more autobiographical and it also makes you kind of know her better I can't think of any well hmm, I don't know I don't think that and I know she hates the word confessional because like, you know, confessional is like, it, it just has a negative connotation to it. But if, if we're using it in a positive sense, like as a good thing, I think that she hasn't done anything as confessional or personal in the first three albums that we've seen. That's kind of the interesting thing about going through every album is that like, we're noticing this like build and build and build to where now it's like, she finally like submerges into herself and decides to explore, you know, her personal feelings a lot more. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a great opener. I agree with you. It's a really good opener. Yeah. I really like the way you put it too. I yeah. honestly kind of think the song is like a manifesto almost <laughs> because it's like yeah. everything like that she wants, like everything she wants in life and everything like, that can come with being in love like don't do this don't do this or like like greed and jealousy it's kind of like warnings but it's also like I I still want to do all of these things with you yeah yeah I love the rhythmic pattern that this song has it's I, I think the dulcimer adds a lot to it but it's like it goes all sorts of places like it doesn't keep because most songs like most songs have a have a similar like like pattern like rhythmically like or I guess it would be like like oh my god what's the word I should know this I know music whatever time it's like time something um 
Oh, time meter. That's what I was thinking. Um, oh, yeah, I was gonna say like where they keep the same meter pretty much throughout the song. And this song I think goes through a lot of places. Um, another song on this album that does that is This Flight Tonight, but we'll get to it. But um, yeah, I just I don't know. She kind of do. You, I don't know if you know. Not to out myself here. Does anyone like? I don't know if you know like musicals. Are you a musical person? It depends what musical we're talking about. I like okay. a few musicals. I love Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, I like Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Um, I was thinking Joni Mitchell as she gets more conversational and more um talkative in her music reminds me so much of Stephen Sondheim. They just they have very. I don't know if you know who that is, but they have a lot of parallels in their musical abilities about writing a lot, but also saying it in a really interesting way. I don't know. Yeah. One thing I really like about this album is Joni like packs so much words into this, but she does it so well because it doesn't, she doesn't sacrifice melodies for it at all, especially when I hear, because the music is still music. It's not like Bob Dylan where it's like, we're basically running out of, of rhythm here or something like there's no melody to it yeah but with Joni I, I love how the music is never sacrificed for that it's like she can pack in so much but still do it in such a musical way yeah she kind of I think she goes more away from that as she oh yeah I think as she gets more into jazz because jazz is a lot more free-flowing and you can kind of you can cut across phrases and like you can cut across like melodies and stuff and and like keep the phrases going i mean i think of like mingus and i know that like obviously charles's music like helped with that but if you think i think of the song like um i don't know goodbye pork pie hat where like there are phrases that just like they kind of like they don't follow a pattern they just go you know but this album keeps a pattern while also having like the phrases be very talkative i don't know it's very well done very well crafted (laughs) Yeah, and I just also want to point out, I love the last three lines and, like, the little, like, her vocals on them, too. Like, when she's just saying, I want to make you feel free, you're singing it. Oh, my gosh. I love it so much. I love the little fade out. Yeah. I guess not really fade out, but still. I don't know why she says, I want to shampoo you. I always found that to be a little odd, but I think it's, like, silly. Really? I feel like it's one of those feelings, like, the girls get it. <laughs> do the girls get it where are my girls maybe she's saying like she wants to make him feel like like maybe it's like baptism almost with shampoo oh hell no <laughs> uh-uh i'm this ain't no ethel cane we ain't doing baptisms here <laughs> no yeah there's no religious symmetry here yet well we will get to some songs on this album yeah yes case some, of some do. Case yeah of religious oh it is yeah definitely Justin. Oh, yeah. I guess there's some with Carrie, too, with the devil and stuff. Oh, yeah. Or the mean old daddy. <laughs> Is she talking about God? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I thought she was just talking about, uh, like, sugar daddy or something. No, I'm just kidding. I did not think that's what she was talking about. Leave me alone. <laughs> um. So do you have anything else you want to say about All I Want? Uh, No, I don't have anything else written down. Okay. So, My Old Man is the next song on Blue. Yes. Um, one thing I always thought was really funny about this song is my mom thought it was about <laughs> her dad. And me and my brother were like, she's obviously talking about like the guy she's in love with. I don't know. That was always so funny to me because if you listen to the lyrics, she's obviously not just talking about her dad. 
it's a love yeah. song. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who would talk about their dad in this way. <laughs> um, maybe someone from Alabama. <laughs> oh, true. Oh my God. Okay, and now we just lost. So last episode we lost our West Virginian audience, and this episode we just <laughs> lost our Alabama audience. We're gonna be it's like so by the end of this, we're gonna have no <laughs> states left. Like. <laughs> I love my fellow Alabamians, even though I'm not from Alabama. Do you think we have Alabamian listeners? No. Well, Actually, maybe. Maybe. Joni might be popular in the South. For oh, I didn't even mean I did not even mean that as a read. I'm so sorry, Queen. <laughs> let's let's avoid the problematicness. We'll move back into Mild Man. Um Okay. This song is so poetic. I love the the line about how the bed's too big, the frying pan's too wide. Because I when, wrote that like, down. When yeah, because when you're in love, it's really what it feels like. You see, like, loneliness in the littlest or, like, the most average of things, just everyday things. Like, you can literally look at us, at it, like, you can be driving around and be like, oh, I'm lonely. And then you see it everywhere. And I think she really puts it into words there, the feeling of of melancholy. Can't relate. Haven't experienced Can't that relate. very much. <laughs> Some of us don't know what it's like to have a my old man. Well, never mind. Um, okay, oh. did, did you see that this song was about Graham Nash? Because I was also seeing that. I was. I was seeing that a lot of the songs in the beginning are, of the album are supposedly about Graham Nash. Well, because they broke up. This out. Al- oh, yeah, we probably should have said that. That this album, like, she broke up with Graham Nash and she started dating... James Taylor. James Taylor. Oh my God, the postcard. For those of you who don't know Joni Mitchell lore, she broke up with Graham Nash when she was on in Europe. She sent him a postcard and I have it written down somewhere, but it's, I, I okay, I'm not going to go look and find it actually, but it's somewhere <laughs> in my notes. And um, she basically says, if you hold sand too tightly in your hand, it'll run through your fingers. Love, Joan. And I was like, girl, that is the most iconic way you could break up with someone. I'm That's sorry. That's mother. That is mother right That's there. Mother. Or how she <laughs> allegedly broke up with David Crosby singing a song. Like That song just, about the midway? Yeah, like she just knows how to like end a relationship so poetically. Oh my God, she really does. I mean, I mean, as she should. I mean, like, think about, like, Turbulent Indigo. She ends her relation. It's, like, she made that album with Larry Klein. And there's, like, songs in that album about, like, breaking oh, up. Oh, their divorce. People. Like, Last Chance Last Lost. Chance lost. Yeah, yeah, girl. Ooh, she was really going in there. She was pissed. She went into the studio and was like, we're getting a divorce. She went into the studio mad as hell. <laughs> yes, oh, my God. Like, those Twitter, those Twitter things where they're, like... Like marriage was falling apart, big yellow taxi sales were dwindling. Like she had to file for bankruptcy. She had to file for chapter eleven bankruptcy. She lost her house in Canada. She had one. She just chance. slapped her daughter. She slapped her daughter and her maid. She had one chance left, and then she came in. She came into the studio pissed as hell. Oh my god, I love that. You said you'll all burn in hell today. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, I love this songs. Um. I don't know. I'm so into like the musical aspects of her songs. But I love the part. So she's like, so there's like a when she's happy in this relationship, it's the it's like my old man. It's like this like very happy part. But then once she starts having these insecurities and these kind of and she starts thinking about these complexities of loneliness, then it goes into the like me and the lonesome blues. Like I love the uh there's like such a contrast 
like it goes from this happy peppy kind of thing into this like super insecure and like introspective like feelings about a relationship you know like I don't know I love that part that's what I really love about this song and so many on the album is they really encompass every emotion that comes with love or heartache or that's just what makes it so special I don't think anyone can put it into words like she has or, yeah. or put it into music like even even the chords on my old man I mean it's on a piano it's a piano ballad it's so beautiful it's haunting but it it's also sounds it also manages to sound like a love song yeah it also just sound very endearing at the same time which is crazy because how can someone put all of these ideas into a song and still have it sound cohesive yeah it's a song it goes all sorts of places like it tells a full story it doesn't just fixate on one feeling you know because like I don't know like older songs like if you think of songs from like the 50s they have like one emotion and then they just stick with it through the whole song you know whereas yeah. this is like this is exploring like highs lows it's like all I want is a good example of that too where she's going through all of these like peaks and valleys of like feelings that she's having you know yeah I feel like it's definitely uncharted territory for her time to be doing oh, yeah. this I oh, yeah. also love the line about how he's the warmest chord she's ever heard. Yes. Why, but it makes me feel so warm, so warm inside when she says that. I love that. I love that line. Um, yeah, it's such beautiful imagery she creates with her lyrics. I, oh, it's, yeah. like, it's, it's poetry. I think her music is poetry. Oh, it definitely is. That's why when people, I know there's like a debate between is songwriting poetry poetry I mean I know a lot of people say it is but I think Joni like Joni Mitchell if you're ever gonna argue that it's poetry she's the first she's the first person I'm pulling out yeah yeah like some some songs are not poetic but she is she is poetic in everything she does um yeah I love the piano riff at the end of the song where it's like Dun, 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 I like I love that part I think it's like very oh, silly I get, chills. I get chills every time yeah no I, I I love this song I forgot about this song to be honest and then when I was doing my re-listen I was like holy shit this is like a beautiful I'm not gonna call it a love song because I really don't think it's like a love song I think it's like uh, I don't even know what to call it because it just it, like I said it just encompasses so many emotions that it's hard to put it in a box a song of inquiry of confusion yeah. and inquiry. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that what she would call her like sus chords or people chords of inquiry? Yeah. Or her tunings. She would go chord. She would be like, okay, this note, like each like string, she'd be like, okay, this string is a sad one. This one, oh, maybe it's getting a little bit happier. Like as she like plucked, and then she'd be like, oh, chord of inquiry, because it would be like one that sounds like a little bit off. Yeah. I can't. I love her so much. I can love literally her. hear her saying this in my head her voice isn't it so embarrassing that we have her like we literally have her like interviews like entranced into Stored our brain. Our like, like they're literally can, just like, like pull them out like that's so sad they're literally just playing on a loop in our subconscious i love it i love it um yeah um do you want to move on to the little green yes this is the most one of the most heartbreaking Joni mitchell songs ever oh yes. my gosh sometimes there will be sorrow that line it's such a, it's, you would think it's such a simple line, but just writing this to your child, because I mean, this, obviously people didn't know Joni was a mom at the time or that she had given yeah. birth, but yeah. I think to write that to your child, it really makes, makes us like empathize with her because 
we can see like why she's giving this child away we can see why she like she can't raise them like the line where she's basically saying um child with a child pretending weary of lies you are sending home so you sign all the papers in the family name you're sad and you're sorry but you're not ashamed I feel like that really shows the listener like it really makes you empathize with her it makes you see Mm -hmm. her as a human and especially now that like we know what she's talking about or singing about it makes me wonder how did people not realize she was talking about a child back then I I I genuinely I don't understand how people didn't know because this song talks about a child that she had to give up um Chinese cafe talks about a child she had to give up like I my my child's a stranger I bore her but could not raise her like if like why were people's like antennas going off like hmm Maybe there's a child she had that she couldn't raise. Like, like she's yeah. it's so obvious. I don't know. Especially because people that are into song singer songwriters are usually people that are into analyzing like poetry or or like or English people, people that like reading or literature and stuff. So yeah. it always confuses me is how people who have like those analytical skills didn't really put it together. I don't. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, this song also. I mean, like, of course, this song fits into that. It's so like honest, you know, it gives an honest portrayal about the complexities of adoption. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, giving up your child versus, you know, like have like she's basically saying, like, I have to give up my child so she can have a better life. And while it's going to cause sorrow for both of us, it's the best choice. You know, it's the best thing for me to do. Yeah, honestly, you know what just popped into my mind, which is a little unrelated. This song wasn't even gonna be on the album. Honestly, this 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 song and this flight tonight were not supposed to be on Blue originally. It was gonna oh, yeah. be urge, urge for Going and Hunter. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she added those two songs instead, like these two, I think it really helped the album because I don't. Th- I while I love Urge for Going, Urge for Going and Hunter, I don't think that they have the heights that Little Green has. They like, don't fit is- on this album. Yeah, they don't. And also, she had been performing this for years before she actually, you know, released it. Yeah. So this had been in this had been in her catalog for a while, and it was like pretty much the same lyrics and verses. So she had written a song with this depth, like probably four or five years ago. And yeah, I think it's just a testament to how amazing her songwriting has always been. She, yeah, and like I think that that's the only song on this album that's an older track that she puts in. And then, you know, from now, and then from this point on, she's not going to do that again. Like, she just writes new material yeah. for each album, but... Besides like, Jericho. <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, yeah, Jericho. I don't like that song, to be honest. Not a huge <gasps> Jericho fan. No, I'm a Jericho girly. I'll try to keep myself open up to you. That's a promise I made my... You like her most nasty lyrics. You're, like, always into those weird ones. I don't know. Oh my god, the call out. Yeah, well, you know, the listeners feel it too. We're oh getting god. a lot of listener feedback about that. <laughs> Have you? No. What? No. Uh, can you imagine? Oh my god. Um, oh, I was also gonna say this song, this song also makes me kind of sad because it makes me think of my mom who my mom is adopted. And so I kind of like so like I feel like a lot of her pain that comes from being adopted, I really can like I think Joni captures what I've seen as my own mom's pain, I think she captures, like you can just, she captures it so well that I can relate to it. So, you know, like I can totally see, you know, why my mom feels the way she feels about things. Not to call my mom out, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, It's, it's just such a perfect description about the complexities of adoption and 
being a mom and doing something for your child for the sake of them. I don't know. It's it's a beautiful, almost lullaby kind of quality. Oh, yeah, that's a great way to put it. It definitely is almost like a lullaby. Yeah. It's just so haunting, everything about it. It's hard not to tear up or get emotional while listening to this, at least for me. No, it's... it's one of the saddest songs anyone will ever hear. Yeah, well, that this whole album, like... It's, yeah, that's it's so true, sad. this whole album. Well, the next song's not sad. <laughs> oh, Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. Yes, this is your song. This is my song. I actually, this is the first song that got me into Joni Mitchell. This is in Morning Morgantown. So I have a very special place for this song. Someone on Twitter, I tweeted a link to this a few hours ago, and someone replied that they hate this song. I don't see it. Like, even when I hated Joni's music, I I loved this song because it's it's so upbeat, and it's also just, like, she was putting everything into this. I don't know. I love a lot of the lyrics. I love what she's saying. It's, like, kind of, tra- it's like a travelogue. She's saying... And actually, speaking of that, I think it actually kind of opens this portion of the album that's like a travelogue portion. And I think it lasts from like here till this flight tonight where she's just very like yeah. on her feet and tired or just kind of reminiscing for home. Because even here, she's kind of saying by the end of the song that, you know, she's kind of longing for home a little bit. At least that's what I got. I think River might be the closing to it because River, she's reaching that that's final good. yearning yeah. of like... I just want to go back to when I was a child, like that kind of like. Oh yeah, skating and she's on a river. Her river to skate away on. Yeah, yeah. I love right. this song. I wish that this song had a little bit more like drums being played with it. I think that this song would sound really good with some like drums. Actually, it does on Miles of Vials, which, by the way, guys, we are doing Miles of Vials um, <laughs> preview. Um, <laughs> it, I like the Miles of Vials version because it has some good like percussion to it. I, I'm a I love a good percussion beat, you know, to kind of move the song. I don't know. But I do. I really like the song. It's very fun. And it's it's not soup. This song is probably one of the less personal ones, I would say. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's about a man she met in Greece, apparently. Or that's what I've read about it. So it's not like this, like, extremely heart, like, gut-wrenching song, as we've heard up till now. But I think yeah. it's good because we kind of need to break from it at this point or else it's going to get a little too much. Yeah, but I also well, think it fits in the album. Like it changes speed. I mean, it changes the speed a little bit, but I also don't think it it doesn't belong or anything. Oh no, it belongs. Yeah, it it works for this album, but it's yeah, it's a different it's a different pace. Um, do you know what lyric in this song she references again in a few albums? Oh wow, you're really testing my knowledge here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think, I can't I can't think of it right now. Okay, well, so she starts the song with the wind is in from Africa. Okay. And so then in a few albums and in the song called Dreamland, she's going to say African winds on the trade, African sands on the trade winds. Like she basically like plays off of the same lyric. And I think she does it another time too, but I'm having a really hard time remembering what it is. So for some reason, something about winds in Africa seem to be a theme that she does we're not even going to go into that but (laughs) oh no we are not going to go into that (laughs) but you know it's interesting (laughs) i think it is really cool when she's like the wind is in from africa i don't know why i just i've always loved that line just it's a cool picture it is that's isn't that where like most of the wind that comes here into the u.s starts from it starts in africa like the atlantic like it comes across the atlantic into yeah 
yeah, it's I think it's a cool, cool thing. I also love the little chorus in the back. There's like a little like chorus you can kind of hear. Yeah. It's like kind of cute. I think it's Which probably is, just her. Yeah, when she's saying Carrie, get out your cane, you can hear it in the background. Yeah. Do you think it's like her vocal layering, probably? For some reason, I feel like it is. Okay. I don't know why, but there might I might hear like a little bit of a man in it too. So maybe not. I know maybe James Taylor helped with a lot of this album too. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe it was James Taylor when he wasn't on heroin. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> he played a lot of acoustic guitar on this album, girl. I know he's always telling everyone about it. We get it, James Taylor. You want to be a part of one of the greatest albums of all time. We we hear you. It's his greatest contribution to music, I guess. Side note, but I live in upstate Connecticut. Well, I go to school in upstate Connecticut. I actually live like way further south in Connecticut. But for some reason, I guess James Taylor's from around here or something. He's always doing concerts over here. And it's annoying because I, I always hear my friend's parents being like, oh my God, do you want to go see James Taylor? No, I will never go to see James Taylor, okay? Mm-mm. Get that heroin addict away from me and Johnny. Yeah. yeah, what what you did, what you did to mother. Actually, I don't know what he did. I don't know. I don't think he, he left did. her for Carly Simon allegedly well you know what have you seen carly simon's tiktok if you guys follow carly simon on tiktok please hit me up because it's insanity she's crazy on there do you want do you watch that no i'm she makes tiktoks where she like she like says really weird stuff it's so odd like the other day she made one where she was like it was like dead silent she goes she was like tell me do i make a nice cowgirl or something and it was like so odd i was like carly simon you have lost your mind or she was like and another one she was like keep those spirits up and stay active yeah oh. and then like throws a fake ball it's insane why is she giving donatella versace of the singer songwriter community yes yeah, she kind of is it's really it's it's freaky i don't know i love it though we love you carly simon well do we i mean i like your so vain that's the only Carly Simon song I know. Me too. Like, I'm sorry, Carly. I I'm, I have no interest into getting into your music. Mm, too much. It's it conflicts. It's a conflict of interest for us. It is a conflict of interest. I'm gonna be biased too about her. So, <laughs> sorry, Carly. Yeah, yeah. I will give Carol her flowers though. <laughs> no, please. No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. I I liked Tapestry before I liked Joni Mitchell. So. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I've always liked Carol King just because I've always I always heard her music growing up. Me too. Yeah, my mom liked a lot of Carol King. Yeah, I, think. I don't know. It's so it's so jazzy and folky at the same time. Yeah, like Joni. Like Joni, just the lyrics aren't as great in my opinion. Similar people. Um, should we go to the most depressing and like I want to die song, but it's amazing. We should. I don't know if I'm even ready to talk about this. Ooh. This song is gut-wrenching. Songs are like tattoos. Wow. I Well, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack lyrically here. I don't want to get all the way into it. I mean, I just like every think, lyric. Yeah, I'm not going to get into every lyric, but <laughs> Are you going to cry? Don't cry on this podcast. I'm not going to cry. The songs are like tattoos, though. I think that's such a good line because it's like saying how they, they're going to stay with you no matter what, similar to a tattoo. And like she's seeing all these people around her kind of like descend into different things. And she's just kind of like, 
I don't know, like calling Blue a person and trying to speak to them is so insane to me. Like, I think it just kind of shows her genius because you're like putting this emotion or this melancholy into a person and it's like you're writing to them as a friend or something. And that's what I love so much about it. Like crown and anchor me or let me sail away. Like either commit to me and love me or just like get out of my life. I don't know. Oh need my you. God. And Stop. That's so yeah. oh, oh. ink on a pin. Like the ink on a pin line. Even that is so clever because ink on a pin, like there's ink in a pen and there's ink in tattooing. Like when you get a tattoo as well. Like how do you, how does one like think of these parallels? I don't she's, get it. And she's then, literally brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, and then one thing I want to point out is the the here is a shell for you line. I don't know if you hear it, but in the background, there's like a little bit of ambiance or something, like like you're putting a shell up to your ear. Is there? Wait. Yeah. Do you hear it? Like when? No. You're, I, I hear it with my AirPods, like with my with my AirPods, because it's in Dolby Atmos on on Apple now. So yeah. Looking in three D, and I was looking online to see if other people heard it too. So I was like, Am I insane? Am I tripping right now or something? And then I saw other people were saying, yeah, like, does anyone else hear it? And I was like, yes. I'm going to have to re-listen now. I didn't even notice that, but I'm going to have to re-listen. It's just such a great song. It's like a meditation on, uh, on just like heartbreak. And, and it's again, like all I want is kind of like a manifesto. This kind of felt like one too. I think that if we're talking about like this album as like, being a really personal and vulnerable album that literally leaves nothing uncharted like like everything is talked about this song is the perfect like encapsulation of that like she she literally like she's I don't know she's like pouring herself out like I feel like she literally is like it's like she's like okay this is a really odd metaphor but it's what I'm seeing in my head I feel like she's like an hourglass like and the song starts and it's like sand is pouring down and by the end of the song like all the sand is completely to the bottom like there's nothing like left like she's just like a hollow shell almost like it's so she gives everything away um yeah and i you know, love wait, sorry, oh, what? sorry what were you saying i was gonna say i love 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 and yeah i when she says it's like near the end when she goes like she goes into that higher version of like, I love you. She's like drag. She's like literally like, oh, it's so like, it's, it's heartbreaking. Such, it's such a raw and visceral moment, isn't it? That's yes. So oh my gosh. I can't. There's just something so, so unique about it that there's something so genuine too. We're like, we always talk about how artists feel better when they're genuine, but including something like that in your music makes it even more genuine. It's like, she's being so vulnerable and giving us like everything in herself right there. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like you, you can feel, I feel like the tension, there is like a, a deep tension. Like, just like, she's just like, like she's, it's almost like she's like upset. She's angry. She's all of these things. And it's all coming out in this one. Like, I love you. Like, please. Like, oh, this song. I, I consider this probably one of her best songs, honestly. Oh, definitely. This might be okay. I know we're not on our favorite out the album at this point, but this is one of my favorites. Like, this has to be. And just all these nautical and like maritime references on the on this song to to like emphasize her loneliness are are so are so genius so good so she yeah she this is a genius song this is a song that like I don't know I just think that when people 
when I think when people rank this album so highly, I think that this is probably a song that they attribute that to. At least I would hope so, because this song is like the the what is it like peace de resistance? It's like the pinnacle. Yes. I don't know. This is like the magnum opus of blue. Magnum like, opus. Yeah, song. there you go. Yes. And I wish I mean, I, I don't know about you. Do you hear a lot of people talking about the title track? No. Mm-mm. Which is crazy for me. I don't know why, because I think like on Ladies of the Canyon, how like the last three songs are kind of what everyone talks about. I think it's kind of the first three songs on this album and the last three songs that get discussed the most. Yeah, people don't really talk about the title track, which is odd because I think that the title track tells you everything you need to know about this album. Like not yeah. all not all title tracks that Joni does will tell you like all of the themes that are going to be discussed in an album. But this one is like, it covers basically all of it. I don't know. Yeah, she was like, I'm going to write my thesis right here. <laughs> she she literally did. Like, she she like, talk about it came into the studio mad as hell. Yeah, she, this song, she was like putting her whole pussy into it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, she did. She put everything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love I love that song. I love Blue. And it ends track it ends side one. And then do we want to go into start side two? On a oh, California. On yeah, a happier, way happier note. This is what I mean. Like I feel like where she had it to include moments like Carrie in California just so we weren't like <laughs> offing ourselves. <laughs> I know. Like so like imagine if it just like went straight into river. Oh, oh my gosh. I would die. <laughs> I wouldn't handle it. No, too sad. I I will say I really like how she starts off the song talking about Paris and how it's like so she's it's like she's just so done with being in Europe at this point. And yeah. I honestly think it's kind of interesting how she looks at Europe because Paris is this place that's like we we see it's old and it's stuck in its ways. And she looks at California and the US as like these epicenters of change and progress. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting. I mean, it makes you understand why she's looking forward to going home so much, even though California is not her real home. Well, yeah. Um, but I think socially also at that time, America was changing so much. You know, we had the hippie movement. We had the civil rights like movement. We had the Vietnam War. Like there was so much change. Like the women's, I think the women's liberation movement is. Was it, yeah, it was, it was around this time. Was it this time? Okay. So like all of these cultural phenomena were like there's change happening or occurring in America. And I mean, I don't really know much about Paris in this time or Europe in this time but you know clearly she feels like they're stuck in some sort of old way that she you know doesn't appreciate or like you know like California to her is more of this like idyllic place that she just is yearning to go back to yeah it's almost like it feels like this utopia for her or something which is a little weird to look at it's like Laurel Canyon is like the utopia for her yeah definitely Oh my gosh. What else was I going to say about California? It's like, oh, this is this is on a dulcimer. This is dulcimer too. And there's actually drums in this song, which mm-hmm. I didn't notice until I was listening again. Well, I love it. Is- like, she's like, but you can't really hear it. But then there's one part of the song where she, I've always, I always notice it. And she's like, and I might have stayed on with him when she says with them, you hear like a, you hear like a like little yeah. like, like kind of snap moment. I don't know. I always love that part. Yeah, so do I. It is really beautiful. I mean, I mean, and I think it's kind of, it was always funny to me because someone was like, Blonde in the Bleachers is the first song she has drums on. <laughs> like, girl, That's not no. true. No. Mm-mm. 
There was one on um Ladies of the Canyon too, where she had drums. I believe there was two. Like Big Yellow Taxi had drums, and the Priest had drums. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was such a dumb take. I'm sorry. Yeah. Dumb takes. Um, California was like the third Joni Mitchell song I remember getting into. I think it went like for free, then like River, and then I got into California. So I have like kind of a special place for this song. I just love it. I think it's really fun. Um, I really like the demo version of this on the blue like demos that came out. I, re- like, I guess it was like two years ago. I really like that version. Yeah, I really love all the demos of these songs on um the on the archives or there. I guess she has like a little EP of all the demos. Yeah, like the blue EP. Yeah, I like I like them a lot. Um, I really some of the I some of the um things she talks about in this song are really like like fun like she uses like fun rhyming or like phrases like I love like reading Rolling Stones and Vogue's like that's like that's really cute or like I caught a plane to Spain like okay okay rhyme okay about the ever yeah and talk about the everlasting influence of this song Lana Del Rey's song California calls back to those lines too about Rolling Stones Mm -hmm. and Vogue's yeah she heard this song and was like I need to make a really sad version of it yeah she and she did she succeeded. She succeeded. Yeah, that album is her blue, honestly, if you think about it. Stop. Don't get me dragged. But I always said that Norman is if if Blue and Tapestry had a baby. But that's true. I agree with that. It is. I love it. I love Norman so much. I was listening to it the other day and I was trying not to like get emotional. Oh my god. Wait, is this our first episode since Tunnel came oh, out? Sh- yes. I mean, we can talk about Tunnel afterwards, but oh wow. my gosh. So one of my good. favorite Lana albums already. It's really good. Really good. A lot of I I don't know if this album she she channels Joni as much. I think Joni kind of is not a super big influence on this one. Oh yeah, I don't I don't think she is as much either. But I think it's always just cuz Lana's in coming to more of her own as a singer-songwriter at this point where it just sounds so much more Lana Del Rey than anyone else, which I maybe, like. Maybe fingertips cuz it's very conversational. Oh yeah, maybe fingertips. I don't really hear on anything else though. California is really conversational as well, I think. I think it has like that Hygiera kind of quality to it of this just kind of like, I'm just like, just giving a flow of my thoughts. Like here's just, you know, here's how I'm feeling right now. And there's not like too much structure. Like the structure is kind of looser, which I appreciate. I like a good loose structure song. Like I like Talk To Me A Lot, which I know we've (laughs) disagreed over. Well, it gets to talk to me. Oh, God. I don't even... In two years. I have to give it another chance. I'll give it another chance. Give it another chance. I do like it more on every listen, though. Mm-hmm. It's a good song. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, deb- no, not debatable. Um, Should we go to this flight tonight? Yeah, I think, I think we both might have a little bit of controversial opinions about it, but judging by... by is this the only deep cut on Blue? Because I feel like this is the only song I never hear anyone talk about on Blue. Like, I've never, ever seen anyone say this fight tonight is my favorite song off Blue. It is kind of a deep cut, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the one, I think it's the one song on this album that uh, the Joni stands haven't cleaned yet. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely, they're avoiding this one, which I can understand. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't love this song. I think that there's some like interesting moments in it, but for me, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's not my favorite song. It's not a bad song. Like there's not a single bad song in this album. I think all the songs are great. This just isn't my 
personal favorite. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have her. Ha- I'd rather this be on the album than Hunter. So I'll give her that. Yeah, because I, I think like- Hunter is the is the one that was supposed to replace this. I like someone- Hunter, but yeah, yeah, they also they honestly kind of have a similar sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I really like the headphones part in this song. Like, yes, that's I think that's my favorite part of the entire song. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's really creative that she did that. And it, she doesn't make it sound like it's not a part of the song or anything. Like, she integrates it really, really well. Oh, yeah. It, it reminds me of on Chinese Cafe, how she moves into another song, like, in the chorus. Like, she goes into Unchained Melody. Like oh, yeah. Like, oh, my love, my love. Like, I love that she does that where she'll, like, splice in another song into... Oh, she does that on um Hissing with Harry's House. And then she splices she in Centerpiece. Um, centerpiece. Like, I, I just love that she does that. I mean, this is a really short version of it because it's just like... I don't even know what the words are. It's like something my my I don't know oh yeah they're playing something my my baby goodbye I love it I think it's so fun I adore it too but everything else on this song meh for me meh yeah I mean she's she's on a plane and she's like I should turn around because the guy I love I think I made a mistake maybe yeah I mean I think it's cute I think the sentiment's there it's just the music it's just, I don't think it's up to par on as everything else is on this album. Like, I don't know. I would totally rather listen to River or Little Green than this. If yeah. that makes sense. No, yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, should but we go I to mean, River? I, yeah, we should. Um, it's giving Jingle Bells. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the saddest Christmas song ever written. It really is. They just, it, that's really sad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Talk about wanting to cry on Christmas, girl. But I'm so hard to handle. I'm selfish and I'm sad. Mm. She, I mean, at least she was self-aware about things, right? <laughs> yes. And then there's, is... sorry, oh, what? sorry, what were you saying? I, I was going to say, this is like, it opens and it ends with the most twisted, effed up version of Jingle Bells. Like it like makes Jingle Bells into like, it like inverts its chords basically and like it's it's really it's so creative i mean i don't even know how she like i guess she's i don't know like she could have just done it like started it with jingle bells but then like the normal version but i like that she makes it dark and adds a darkness to it like it's this is such a good song and it i know people like say that like it's really not like a christmas song but i i think it is i don't know I think it is a Christmas song. I mean, anything with the word Christmas in it or talking about like reindeer and Christmas trees can be argued as a Christmas song. Yeah. I, I, mean, what... kind of... huh? I was going to say, I wouldn't listen to the song in the summer. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely no. It doesn't match with summer vibes, but mm-hmm. like, I guess, I guess one thing that's really interesting about this song is I don't know if Joni is the first person to sample or like interpolate things into her music, mm-hmm. but I, I believe I read somewhere that I don't remember if it was River or if it was one of the songs on Court and Spark or Hissing. But the sample? Yeah, I think they said the the jungle line. Yeah, I think they said that Joni was the first person to ever use a sample in her music. So she sampled Burundi drummers on um the jungle line. Like and she like cut it and then like had it like go back like the it like was a repeating, the repeating drumming pattern. Which is cool. I really like that. 
I like yeah I really love the jungle line too but just in terms of like I guess it, this isn't a sample but it is a callback to Jingle similar. Bells yeah, yeah I think like integrating stuff like that into your music is so creative especially because now every artist does it like it feels like every time an artist releases a lead single it's sampling something that's already been released but so. they're not creative it's not creative it's just like yeah, it, oh like I'm gonna pick yeah, this, any song this ad this this actually adds something to the original and it's so distinct from it too where it's like it's there's nothing about jingle there, there's nothing jingle bells about this at all besides the piano at the beginning and end yeah no, it's it's not a Jingle Bell type of song. I, I I said that this song reminds me a lot of the theme she's gonna explore on For the Roses. Oh, oh yeah, because this is like where she like really gets disillusioned. Yeah, by... and she just wants to retreat to like a kind of not, not I don't know if this is as much the wilderness, but she wants to just go to like a more simple nature kind of place. I don't know, very For the Roses vibes for me. Well, yeah, I mean after she does this, she moves it back up to British Columbia for a year and she's secluded from everyone else so mother i guess it's, that that is echoing the sentiments of for the roses in this song it's very it's setting up for it yeah. i mean i didn't realize that that's pretty that's good ryan good job thank you <laughs> ha 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 um i do you think that okay so i know that this song says i made my baby cry i think that she means like a i think she is like i don't know like it's like a double meaning i think she's like sad about a relationship but i also could see her mourning the loss that she doesn't have a child around christmas time so you know what i mean oh yeah especially because now i mean we see her in in america or like as a huge musician and it doesn't seem like her and her family are that close anymore especially after she gets famous i mean her and her parents seem to have a bit of a a tense relationship tense. especially during the yeah especially during the holidays I mean, in the 1970s, there was even less communication between people because there weren't phones and text messaging like there are now. Yeah. She probably did feel really lonely. So I think that that thinking that it could be a nod to her daughter or double entendre is pretty spot on. It definitely could be about her. Well, her other Christmas song, her other, she says, sad Christmas song is um Facelift from Tammy and the Aww. Tiger. And that song also kind of throws shade to her family. Yeah. To her mom, to Myrtle. Myrtle seemed mean. Let the oh, one charity also kind of shades Myrtle too. Yeah. She <laughs> she references Myrtle on Dreamland too. Yeah. She she was not taking her foot off Myrtle's neck. <laughs> Poor Myrtle. <laughs> that's such a like that's such a like odd name. Like Myrtle, mother. It it definitely sounds like one of those books from like the 1960s. I don't know why it's giving like death of a salesman or something. Oh my god. <laughs> yes oh my god can we talk about how she says he loved me so naughty that it made me weak at the knees what was that all about we know what she was talking about i uh, think that was definitely a sexual innuendo she, like people think of Joni as like this very innocent like folky hippie girl but you like you listen to coyote in this song no. like oh she was no she was getting dirty girl what about the last album he would give oh. it to her oh my gosh yes what song was that blue boy uh, yeah yeah wow she she was yeah she oh my god like isn't that sad she's like no that's funny like she is sad and horny at christmas time there's a mix of both 
she's so real she is so real for that yeah that's so funny <laughs> i mean i don't know I, I back to like the like confessional though i mean like i'm selfish i'm sad i lost the best baby i had she lost her relationship and her child so you know there's that double meaning again like she just like admits everything she basically says she's to blame which i don't know if yeah. any breakup songs or things like that have done that before this where they say like i am partly to blame for this breakup yeah i doubt they had to just because everything we have to remember that everything in the 60s and 70s that artists did was seen as probably like really scandalous like if they did the littlest things because like yeah. i mean it was still a pretty like we it was still really pious here at the time i think like everyone was like pretty religious i mean i don't know i didn't live through the 70s but that's just really? the vibe yeah i mean i'm so old but I was gonna say I'm pretty sure I thought that you were like at Woodstock allegedly allegedly uh, you're in spirit in I was spirit. in Germany I can't I I, I, I just, wait what were you saying I just I don't know I, I love this song I think that is such a sad but such a beautiful song and this like and this is obviously like one of her biggest songs yeah I mean it's been covered by so many people too. When I was when I was researching this album, I saw that this is the second most covered Joni Mitchell song after Both Sides Now. It's been covered over 400 times. Okay, well, I'm sure no one's done it as good. Oh, definitely Just not. Saying. I mean, also, don't you think it's interesting this song is about James Taylor and he's covered it a bunch of times? Yeah, very sketch. James Taylor, stop being so sketchy. Yeah, leave Joni alone. Well, you know, he's always doing the concert. He's always at a tribute event. He is, isn't yeah. he? I don't know why. Because like, He's always commenting hearts on her Instagram, too. I mean, he doesn't as much anymore, but when she first got Instagram, he would always comment a red heart, or oh. his team. Okay, but yeah, I was going to say, that's probably not him. That's probably, like, PR manager. Yeah, James Taylor's not using social media. <laughs> Maybe, we don't know. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I just, I don't know. I love River. There's it's so much has already been said about River that I'm like, I don't know if like I can add much to the conversation to it. You know what I mean? I feel the same. And I feel a little bit the same about A Case of You Too. Oh yeah. Yeah, we can move. Okay. Do you think that this song was written about Leonard Cohen or do you think it was written about Graham Nash? Because I saw both interpretations. I saw both too. And I also saw someone say it was about James Taylor, but I don't think I don't, it's about James I don't Taylor. Think it's about James Taylor, no. I think if anyone, it's about I think it's about Graham Nash, just because of how much of like a profound effect they had on each other. I mean, I want to say it's Leonard Cohen just because Graham Nash seems like an asshole a little bit. But I think it's Leonard Cohen. I think really? it's him. I just I don't know how much time they spent together. I mean, I think that they spent a decent amount of time together. I think that they had a decent amount of interaction. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that Leonard Cohen has a lot of, does a lot of biblical references in his music, music. And Joni Mitchell talks about how Leonard is like, does all this religious stuff. And then this song has a lot of religious metaphors. Like, oh, that's a great parallel. Blood is like holy wine, you know, like, I don't know. I think that that's why I think it's probably Leonard Cohen, but I don't know. I might be wrong. I also, yeah, I also don't know if it's about Graham Nash because a lot of the songs that are allegedly about him are like, they're only the first two songs, I think. Right? Yeah. I don't think Blue is about him. No. Mm -mm. But. I honestly, I don't even know if Blue is about anyone in particular. I think she I think might just be like in general out to anyone. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. And honestly, I I honestly feel like the only song about Graham Nash is My Old Man. I don't know. I think a lot of people say this whole album's about him, but I don't I don't really see it. I I don't know. Don't give him that credit. Yeah, I'm not going to give him that credit. <laughs> so um, yeah, I guess I could see it being about Leonard Cohen, especially with the religious imagery. Yeah. I, two of my favorite some well, two of my favorite things that go on this album are in the song. One is when she says, um, when she says, oh, Canada, and she goes into that like soprano and she basically she's referencing the Canadian national anthem, which is like, oh, Canada. Like, I love that she there, there's another song she kind of samples Genius. into it. Genius yeah. mother. And then also my favorite, maybe my third favorite lyric she's ever written is I am a lonely painter. I live in a box of paints. Oh, that is so that. bad. I feel that I'm also a lonely painter. I understand it's a hard being an artist is a lonely thing. You it know. is, but I actually I love that line a lot too. I also have you heard the demo from of this obviously, right? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the lyrics were though. Oh, she says in the beginning of the song something about how like the constant as a northern star is the same, but then she says you're just as silly as a northern fish, <laughs> like. I mean, I think it's I think it's kind of interesting just to see how far it came from there. And I'm I think the original lyrics are good too. But oh, doesn't she say I'm frightened by the devil and I'm drawn and I'm scared to death of saints in the demo? Yeah, she does say that. She does yeah. say that. Because Which... this one she says, um, I'm drawn to those who ain't afraid. I like that. That's a cool lyric as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, even in the demo, the lyrics are really cool too. And I also think her voice is more visceral in the demo, though. It sounds like it's giving a little bit of Bob Dylan energy for some reason. Don't offend. I, I'm sorry. Don't be offended, Joni. And I, for those of you who know Perfume Genius, um, he said that this is the song that got him into Joni Mitchell growing up. He's like an alternative artist, so oh, no. I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think my favorite in the song. I love the chorus like of this. Just it's. I know it's cliche to like that the most, but I like the chorus. I think it's a pretty chorus. I honestly don't really understand what it means though. Like, I could drink a case of you and still be on my feet. Like, I don't really know what that means per se. Um, I mean, the thought is not completely there in my head right now, so bear with me if it sounds jumbled. But I okay. feel like it's probably just saying, like, with wine, you know, like when you get so drunk, wine makes you tired that you could fall asleep or something. Mm-hmm. She's saying that, like, she she can't get enough of him almost, that she would still be standing. Like, he, like, um, yeah. I yeah, think that okay. That's- okay. Do you know what I thought was weird is that at her Kennedy Center Honors thing, like the Kennedy Center's performance, one of the presenters, I can't remember what who he was, he like said like Joni, like I could drink a case of you. And I was like, ooh, no. Like, I don't know if that like I'm like, I don't know if you I would say like I could drink a case of you. Cause I don't know if that was really like a positive line. I don't know. Mother, she was like her that was harassment, girl. That was borderline harassment. She was like up there in the box, like, what the hell? He could drink a case of me. Yeah, very odd. Um, I like that. I feel like the song she's saying, like in comparison to wine as well, like she's like using like, a lot of wine metaphors. She's like, you're bitter, but you're also sweet. Like you have these two sides to you that I can, I, that, but like either way, I could still drink a case of you, you know? Yeah, which goes back into how 
like her songs never linger on one emotion or she doesn't just see one thing in someone yeah she, it, it comes an entire spectrum of emotions and feelings it's a whole story the whole book it's like a play a three-act play it is and this song is just so beautiful i'll never get over it like every time i listen to it i think my jaw drops because i'm always just so shocked by how genius it is even I though love, i love her older version of it when she's um on both sides now in like the early 2000s oh really mm-hmm. i think that it, i like her smoky older voice with it i don't know Honestly, this is probably a, a more unpopular opinion, but I do like Joni's older voice a lot. I think it suits jazz music so well. I don't know. Better just, than her younger voice, for sure. Oh, definitely. But I just, I love how, at first I was so apprehensive to her older music, or like when she gets older, not like her clouds or something. I mean, like Night Ride Home and Taming the Tiger and and both sides now because I thought it was just too much and it felt so it, it strays so much from what she originally sounds like but there's so much to appreciate in it oh. and I like how even like when she revisits her older songs or I mean like songs from blue and and cloud yeah like when she does the when she revisits them she does such a good job in my opinion even if I don't prefer them to the originals I think they suit the voice so well I prefer on Travelog. I prefer two of the songs to the originals. I Ooh. prefer Otis and Marlena. I like the Me Travelog too. version better. Um, and I like the version of Cherokee Louise. <gasps> oh my god, those are the two I prefer as well. Yeah, oh my yeah, god, yes, yeah. those are the two really, really good ones. Cherokee Louise on that album is heartbreaking. Sad, really, really sad. Like way sadder than the the like the original version i oh i love that i love that version it's really good yeah so do i yeah uh, now i'm gonna listen to that when i get when i get off of this or i'm gonna go listen to Otis and marlena i like that i like that version because it sounds a lot more like i don't know it just feels more inspired and i can see the story better like the version on don juan's is a little bit more laid back and like relaxed i don't know I love her vocals on it too. And then just like all the instrumentals she pulls out in the travelogue version. Marlena. Yes. Oh my God. The way she starts it. Oh, stop. (laughs) I can hear her singing in my head. I like (laughs) the judgment of the moon and stars on that too. I like that version too. It fits because I mean, like the song is inspired by um, Beethoven, right? Beethoven it is. And it fits that symphonic type of music very well. Uh, yeah, I do like the Judgment of the Moon and Stars on Travelogue, too, just because I'm a sucker for that song. But for me, nothing will ever beat the original. Okay, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I don't you know. Even... We'll get to it next week. <laughs> <laughs> next week. Oh, my God. Your For the Roses opinions are going to be, like, insane. You think so? I'm going to be like, it's the best album of all time, and I'm going to get so much slander. <laughs> deserved slander. Deserved slander. Not deserved. Um, should we go to the closer of this beautiful album? The last time I saw Richard, so I've read this is about Chuck Mitchell. Have you read similar things? That's I think, about yeah, I've I've heard allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. I mean, this song is heartbreaking. I remember when I first started listening to Blue. For some reason, the beginning always reminded me of My Old Man. I mean, I don't hear it as much now that I listen to it, or as much as I used to. I don't know if that was like intentional, if there's similar chords at all, but I always got like that vibe from it. I'm trying to think of what the intros sound like, if they sound, um, yeah, they're similar. I would say that they're similar. Maybe it was similar just- in- Intros. 
it might have just because been it might have been that they were both on piano and I was just like wow maybe that was it I have no idea but it's supposed to be like a conversation she has with Chuck Mitchell and wow the things they're saying girl she cuts him she cuts him deep she cuts him he sold out basically. yeah he yeah. sold out like she says he has tombs in his eyes like holy shit like way to like drag him yeah oh my god she went in there and then even the, like those last lines about how she's only a dark cocoon before she gets her gold her gorgeous wings and flies away yeah that's such an optimistic way to end the song which is honestly wait that's how she ends don Juan's with silky veils of ardor yeah i wish i had the wings oh my gosh <gasps> oh my gosh the parallels insert the mind-blowing sound effects <laughs> that's so oh my god i didn't even realize that when i was doing it yeah she needs wings someone needs to get her some wings she keeps complaining about them <laughs> someone dropped <laughs> someone dropped a ksc really quickly yeah get her something seriously <laughs> I love this song because she's like, she's like basically being like, you're cynical, but I'm still hopeful. Like, she's like, you like, while you have been like scorned by love and you're letting that weigh you down, I'm going to take all this. I think this is a great closer because she's like, I'm taking all this baggage that I built up from this album, but I'm not going to let it stop me from searching for something more, you know? Yeah. And I also love that if this is like a real, I mean, I know it's more medical, more metaphorical, but this is, a, if this is like based on a real conversation she had with him, I'm glad that she eclipsed him in terms of music in every way imaginable, just because I don't know, Joni just is amazing with writing. And I think this might be her most well-written song. Like this is definitely a top five Joni song, in my opinion. Really? Just in terms of songwriting. Yeah, it's a great, it's a beautiful song. And I love, I love, you're talking about being like sold out earlier. I love the part where she's like, he's like, he's like, he got married to a figure skater and he lives like, you know, a middle class, like kind of life and he's miserable. But like, she's like, you know, he like, basically he sold out. He, he just, you know, he became cynical and he just took the first thing he could. And, you know, there he was. Whereas like, she's like, I'm not, giving up which i love that's such a beautiful way to end such a sad album i don't know it is and i love how like the parallels about how he sold out and being like middle class and having like a marriage and everything i love how that parallels the hissing of summer lawns and everything because mm -hmm. there's so many times where she, on that album where she's just talking about marriage and and like just the relationships between man and woman in society and how disillusioned she is about it and how dissatisfied she is with like the constructs we've made so maybe I she's a lesbian Oh my god. Wait, you cracked the code. Like, maybe she just doesn't like men. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't be that shocked. Am I cancelled for that? Don't cancel me for that, guys. That was just me being silly. Allegedly. No, 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 no. I think, I think we can, I think we can enjoy these as queer subtexts. <laughs> <laughs> as a queer individual, I would say... As a queer individual, I don't think that's harmful. Uh, yeah, not harmful to the community. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I just, oh, I love this song. It's definitely one of my favorite Joni Mitchell songs. Um, I, for some reason, though, very odd, when I say my favorite song from this album, it's not this song, but this album ranks higher in my overall ranking than my favorite song. I don't know. I think it's just because this song's lyrics are so good. They're just so unparalleled. And and I, I, I love the reading, the beautiful, beautiful reading when she says, my gorgeous wings. It feels like that same thing she does in Blue where she's like, 
yearning like she's like i am going like she's scratching i just i love it it is it's so genius uh i can't get over it i don't think i'll ever get over that but wait i was gonna say something i was gonna go somewhere and i completely forgot what i was gonna say Crap. <laughs> i don't know i was gonna say that i love the miles of isles version of this song too Okay, I was going to bring that up. I was going to talk about the little um, the little in- impression she does there. Oh, on- yes! <laughs> yes, which we love. How did we not think of that? Yes, oh my God, the beautiful... Um, um, drink up now, it's getting on time to close. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone hasn't listened to the Miles of Isles version of um, the last time I saw Richard, I encourage you to, because it is okay. something. We we love oh my god that version is so unironically hilarious because she just does not like she just like she's just like I'm gonna do the most random voice impression right now like I don't care if this has nothing to do with the song and she's just like back up down get long time to close <laughs> she does that voice and so many times afterwards too when she's doing this song which is so funny it. to me I love it I like <laughs> that this song goes back to that maritime kind of vibe where she's like. I'm going to take my gorgeous wings and fly away, but it's all, but it kind of like harkens back to that, like sail away in blue, like, like the song blue, like she's just like, she wants to push away from this period, this blue period and find something new. You know, I think, I mean, Picasso is one of her favorite artists. And I think about how he had a blue period where, you know, all of his artworks were painted in shades of blue. And I think that like, she's saying I am in a blue period, but I want to move into something different, something new. And then I think that's where For the Roses starts to lead to. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really good. That's like a really good thought. I definitely think For the Roses leads to that too. It's and a traditional def- album, For the Roses is. Yeah. I mean, it's it definitely is right in between Blue and Court and Spark. And I think it kind of takes both of the highs on those albums uh, on those albums and puts them into it or integrates them into it in my opinion yeah. i think there's stronger i think there's dare i say there's stronger songwriting on for the roses than blue and court and spark in my opinion oh no i agree with you on that there's more strong songs this one has i mean the songs on here are amazing don't drag us you guys but like just because this album is like amazing doesn't mean that it can't be challenged or have a different you know sense yeah i agree i definitely think that out of the albums she releases between well out of all the albums she releases this is obviously the one that gets the most praise but i think there's an argument to be made like between the albums from blue and like mingus i think Mm -hmm. all of those are on just as good as blue i think they're all just as good as blue and they can all be argued as her best true i agree i agree so I, yeah I mean, but the last time i saw richard is definitely one of her best songs one and of I mean, her I, best that, that can't even be contested that is just amazing closer she's a great opener and a great closer <laughs> she is. is um so that was blue amazing um what so what are your favorite and least favorite songs this album i think my favorite song has to be blue and my least favorite is this flight tonight Okay, well, now I feel so unoriginal because I was going to say the exact same thing. So oh, get really? out of my head. <laughs> um, I would give this album a 10 out of 10. I would give it a 10 out of 10 too. And yeah. I mean, it's well-deserved. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well-deserved 10 out of 10. I, did I give Ladies of the Canyon a 10 out of 10? We both gave it a 10, yeah. Okay, well, she's about to just keep getting 10 out of 10s. Like, 
she is next for a week she's while getting, yeah yeah and next week she's getting an 11 for me girls <laughs> that is not an option no for the roses is not getting 11 out of 10 <laughs> she does in my book okay that's okay. all that matters okay i'll give you that um so yeah that was blue i feel like we really we guys we really like the the side conversations were kept to a minimum today because we had so much to cover. We had a lot to get through. And I mean, I think we did a good job not to be narcissistic. Yeah, very that was so non-narcissistic of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it was it was I, I love I loved listening to this album. I encourage everyone who's listening to go and listen to Blue. I truly like no matter how overplayed it might be in your head you'll find something new on every listen I think yeah and one last thing I want to just say is that I think both of us similarly were kind of dismissive of blue a little bit just because we're so tired of seeing it as number one everywhere and her yeah. like rankings but I think after re-listening to this because it's the album that got me into her and I haven't listened to it like the way I have in the past week I haven't listened to it on repeat like I did in a really long time yeah so I think I think I think I've come to the realization that it definitely is worthy of the praise it gets. I just wish her other albums got the same flowers or like got the same credit or recognition as this. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think that this, I would appreciate this album or I would talk about this album more if I didn't feel like it wasn't already talked about enough, you know? Like an album like like Hissing of Summer Lines is not talked about enough. So you have to kind of- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is- yeah. Which is going to be fun because we're going to be able to to give it all of its praise it deserves in the next few weeks. Exactly. But I take back any dismissive comments I said about Blue in the past. I truly do love this album. And if you like Blue, you are not a local. You just appreciate talent. Yeah, you're not a local. But if you like Clouds, you're a local. Oh, well, if you like, yeah, if you like Clouds, then don't even bother at this point. <laughs> don't even bother. Don't um, even bother. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Um, or are you ready to close out another beautiful week of listening? <laughs> I'm ready to close out another week and get into For the Roses. Oh my gosh. So excited. Well, <laughs> we will see you guys next time for For the Roses. Um, thank you so much for listening. Go stream blue. Thank you. Yes. Bye.